And uh, we'll, we're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians 4 if you want to go there. I have a question for you. Yeah, sure, Carol. Uh, who do who I talk to about getting another discipleship before because they messed up online? Oh, yeah, yeah. Five, but yeah. another one? That's Luke. you got to get with Luke. All right. I'll get him out to church. And, yeah, I had the same problem. My, my lesson was wrong, too. So I had to go to Luke, and he got me another lesson. But... So if, if you remember, uh, so let me just rehearse. I know Alan's new. Uh, Leo and Amita haven't been here for just a little bit. And, uh, and Larry's missed a time or two. But we're, we're talking about being ministry-minded. And we're, we're saying that uh, the book of 2 Corinthians has a lot to do with ministry. And Paul, is uh, he, he loves the church at Corinth. He loves the people. He helped start the church there back in Acts 18. And uh, the Bible says that God had many people in that city. And so uh, we we believe, too, that God has many people in Harrisonville, in our town and uh, surrounding towns. And so uh, we need to be ministry-minded and looking for those opportunities. Hey, Brian, come on in, brother. And, uh, you know, uh, one thing I've noticed just in ministry, and I think uh, Alan even asked me how long I'd been a pastor. And so I, I think I, so I've been saved 32 years uh, in March. And uh, most of you know Mark and Lisa Lockwood. They discipled Angie and I. And uh, we... Went through D2, and then I went through our Shepherd School of Ministry at the Kansas City Baptist Temple. So that's a, a four-year thing, and so it kind of qualified me. But anyway, I became a deacon back in '97, I think it was, and so for about 12 years I served in the office as a deacon and uh, helping people in different ways. But uh, I, I don't really remember when I became a pastor, but I know I was ordained like three years ago now at our at our spring uh, uh, vision conference. Uh, pastor Brian and the other pastors ordained me. But uh, one, one thing I, I've noticed even of late, uh, when when you minister to others, <clears throat> you. You need to be doing it for the Lord, I guess is the best way to say it. Because there's been time where, uh, even recently, I asked someone to give somebody a ride. And they said something like this, like, okay, Steve, I'll do it this once. And I can just tell they're they're doing it for me, you know. Yeah. Giving somebody a ride. Well... Do it for the Lord, because you know what? If you do it in your own strength, you're gonna you're gonna wear out, or you're gonna get discouraged or faint. If you do it, you know, in your own power for your own reasons, you know, yeah. And so you can't sustain that. So, but if you do it for the Lord, he he will uh, sustain you. So I, I guess I just want to add that little caveat. If you're doing something for me or, or anybody at the church, you're kind of doing it for the wrong reasons, right? Yeah. God's gift to love. Yeah. Yeah, do it for love. Yeah, it for love. You love God and love people. 
So anyway, we need to be ministry-minded. And so this first section I gave you on your handout are just some things about ministry and the minister. So this, these first eight things are things, some characteristics of the ministry. And we talked about this in the uh, first chapter of 2 Corinthians, that it was comforting. Uh, God is the God of all comfort. And Paul is saying that uh, during our tribulation, the Holy Spirit comforted us, and now we're able to comfort others. And so the ministry should be comforting to those that uh, you're ministering to. Uh, we've seen it, it was triumphant. And... Uh, Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, he, he triumphed over the enemy. He triumphed over death. And so uh, we've seen that the word triumph had to do with some type of spiritual victory. And the spirit, the ministry is dependent. And so let's look back a chapter, at chapter 3. And uh, Brian Rinker, we're going to have you read a couple verses, if you don't mind, out of 2 Corinthians 3. <coughs> And if you read verses 4 and 5, or Paul says he has to trust in the Lord. Alright. And such trust, we have to Christ to Godward. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Amen. So, he has to uh, trust uh, Christ, and he's not sufficient of himself. And In fact, he, he says later in this book that uh, that when he is weak, uh, God is strong. So uh, we need to be dependent on the Lord. Uh, on your handout number four, the ministry is superior. We talked about the New Testament being superior to the Old Testament uh, in, in many different ways. And we said that the ministry is uh, spiritual. And then I gave you a blank there. And uh, let, let's look at Second Corinthians 4 now. And uh, trying to see the the verse the the blanks I had you put in is just it's Christ honoring. <clears throat> the ministry is Christ honoring. Yeah. Jim's got us loaded up with ink pens, so did you need one too? Anybody else need an ink pen? Okay. And uh, we're going to see in the weeks to come that the ministry is compelling. Paul said that he is constrained to uh, to minister. The love of Christ constrains him. The love of Christ, so ministry should be compelling. And then it's it's paradoxical, and so I, I I gave you a definition of a paradox is a seemingly contradictory statement that is true. And uh, my example is like uh, the Bible says that the first shall be last, and and the last shall be first. And he that loses his life shall save it. So Christ had many paradoxes that seem to be opposite that were, that are actually uh, true. Anyway, we can we could look at more things, but anyway, that was a little bit of a list. And then there's some characteristics of the minister himself. We see in chapter two that the minister is sincere. He he spoke in sincerity and in truth. Uh, the minister is approved. And then uh, we're here in our our verse here now. Pam, would you look at Second Corinthians four and read uh, read verses one and two for us? 
Therefore, seeing we have this ministry as we have received mercy, we thank God, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness nor in handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to everyone in the sight of God. Yeah, so so the minister is open or transparent, and that's kind of was a little bit of a buzzword not too many years ago to be transparent. But uh, what Pam read is that you know they're they're manifesting truth. They renounce hidden things of dishonesty. They don't want to be crafty or handling the word of God deceitful. But they're manifesting truth, and they commend themselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And uh, so he even says in Acts 20 that he, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. So he he let him have it all. He everything he knew. And uh, you know you see that a little bit in the workplace. Uh, we've got a guy. He's a contractor. Comes into our place and. Uh, uh, so we have a badge that we wear. So you have to badge into certain areas, and you know, just like here at the church, we have a little key fob, and like so, there's a mag lock on the door. But anyway, we have a company that comes in and sets up and programs, you know, new badge readers and things like that. And uh, so one of our guys is supposed to kind of hang with him, and you're supposed to kind of usher contractors around her, and. Uh, but this this guy, uh, he does everything in secret. He don't want you to know what he's doing. He don't want you to learn what he's doing so you can do it yourself. So he'll just say, okay, you stay here. I've got to go in here and program this. And and so, I mean, I guess that's job secret. He's afraid if he'll tell you how to do it. Yeah. That, <laughs> that's what happens in my work. Really? Supervisor. Really? Because it takes six people to fill his shoes. So. Ah. Hmm. <laughs> But uh, I've had other contractors come out. They're just you know open and they share the tr- information. They want you to know because it makes them a little bit better to be able to teach you something. And so you know that that's where we're at with the Word of God. It, it's open. It's it's transparent. And uh, you know uh, we we want people to know truth. We want to. That's what uh, Christ says. You know, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. He said, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest and comfort to your souls. So Christ uh, wants us to come to Him and to learn and to grow in Him. And then uh, we'll see a little later in this chapter the minister will suffer. Uh, all, uh, I think Timothy says that, that yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And so that uh, I heard a story yesterday, just how uh, this ministry. Uh, uh, you know, some ministries have like. You know, some money behind him where, you know, maybe millionaire, I think the example given was this guy gave 50,000 a year to help this ministry and after this person died, uh, they asked the pastor, what, what are you going to do now that, you know, one of your big givers died and he said, well, you know, I guess we're just going to have to trust God. And he, he was not, uh, you know, not discouraged about it. He, you know, okay, we're just back to trusting God for our needs. So that's, uh, <clears throat> That's that's what we need to you know continue to do and 
So uh, the minister is confident. The minister is God's ambassador. We'll see in chapter 5. The minister is or should be blameless. And you know, uh, the thing about blameless, uh, and I heard that whenever we went through D2, like in First Timothy chapter 3, there's like 23 characteristics of a, of a man of God. And one of it is, is to be blameless. And, and so as we were going through that, the teacher just told us, you know, you, you can be blamed and still be blameless, right? It's like somebody, people are going to accuse you of something, but if it's not true, it's not going to stick, right? So you can be blameless and still be blamed, but... Uh, <clears throat> Anyway, uh, that goes into semblance of impropriety. Mm-hmm. It just appears that you're able to be blamed. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, people gonna say what they want to, but uh, if it's not true, it, it won't. It won't have. And then, and one thing, you know, the, the Bible talks about uh, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word is established. And so, I mean, I've had uh, people call Pastor Brian and say, Steve's doing this. And, uh, you know, Pastor Brian's like, well, there, you know, there's one witness, so let's, let's see if there's two or three witnesses that would agree with that. And so before he would address me, he would, uh, you know, want two or three witnesses. And uh, maybe at one, even at one witness, he might come and ask me, say, hey, I heard this. And, and so, uh, anyway... Just a little bit of, uh, you know, light around that. And then the minister is separated. So we'll, we'll see that in 2 Corinthians 6. But let's, uh, look back at verse 1 that uh, Pam read. <clears throat> and it says, therefore, so, you know, usually when you see wherefore, therefore, you're supposed to see what it was there for. And, the last of chapter 3 talks about uh, by the Spirit of the Lord. And so Paul's saying, therefore, because we've got this new, the New Testament, we've got the Spirit, uh, we have this ministry, he says, we faint not. So I've noticed this myself, I give you a ministry principle, having vision and ministry keeps us from fainting. And uh, I'll use I'll use Carol for a little bit of example right now, or even Larry. Uh, you, you guys are going through discipleship one, and you're in this class, and you're in church, and uh, you both haven't been saved a long time yet. But so you're you're growing, but once you enter into ministry, then you kind of have. People over you and people under you. So, like, like right now, you know, I, I'm the pastor of this class, and so I'm over you as far as ministry goes. But uh, you know, when you get in, involved in ministry, then then like Carol's wanting to teach children. You, now you're going to have people under you, and people will start looking to you uh, for truth and guidance and. Uh, but but what that is that that's a good place to be if if you have. You know, you know, even just uh, being married to my wife, and I'm supposed to be her leader. You know that that makes me accountable. It gives you responsibility, right? And it's like, man, I don't want to mess up because it might make her mess up. 
And so that's that's true in ministry. Uh, whose phone is dinging? <laughs> Let's just uh, can we turn can we turn it to mute? Really? Okay. Okay. Well, Steve, it might be yours. It it could <laughs> it could be. I never can tell which phone's from. Well, my I think I left my work phone at home, but anyway, it's not my it's not my church phone. I always keep my church phone on mute, but sometimes my work phone does go off, so I'm I'm trying to be blameless, but I, I could be blamed right now. Uh, okay, so being in ministry keeps us from fainting. So you know, sometimes just being in a place of responsibility, uh, it keeps you from fainting. It's like, okay, I, I've got to uh, you know study this out this week, and I, I need to be in the Word myself. I need to be in prayer. If if I'm not walking with the Lord, how can those that are following me walk with the Lord? So anyway, that's that's what Paul said. He says we've received this ministry. Uh, We've received mercy. We faint not. So we're we're not falling away. And uh, does everybody know the the verse in Galatians? Let's look at Galatians real quick in chapter 6. Yeah. Uh, Emma, can you do six nine of Galatians six nine? And let us not be weary in well doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Yeah, so there they use the word faint there, and it it, it used that in Isaiah. You know, they'll mount up with eagles and run and not grow weary and uh, walk and faint not. Uh, so there, there's a famous verse there. So anyway, hopefully uh, no one in here is you know close to fainting or being weary and well doing. But uh, we're marching forward. We're trusting the Lord. And then uh, what, what Pam read in verse two, there's I, I listed out some things about some do's and don'ts of ministry on your handout. Uh, do renounce hidden dishonesty. Don't walk in craftiness. Don't handle the word of God deceitfully. But do manifest truth to every man's conscience. So uh, just some good do's and don'ts there. And I gave you a definition of ministry from these first two verses. Uh, truth applied to men's conscience. So that's that's what we want to do. That's what we want to do when we uh, are in this class. That's what we want to do when we go door to door. And then in verses 3 and 4, uh, Larry, would you read those? Yeah. Yeah. Three and four. Yeah. On four. Yeah, chapter four, verses three and four. Chapter four, verses three and four. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not 
lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Yeah. Now notice in verse 3 he says our gospel, but in verse 4 he calls it the gospel of Christ, the glorious gospel of Christ. Uh, and this is kind of a wild thing to think about. I gave you a verse there. Uh, Paul says in Romans, in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Now, why do you think Paul said he calls it my gospel, but it's Christ's gospel? Why? How? How is that? Because Paul was appointed to go uh, witness to the Gentiles, and now it's the time of the Gentiles after the transition. So he was called to go to the Gentiles, and so God commissioned him. And he's making it personal. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He he was uh, all things to all men that he might by all means save some. Well, th- you know, you know, some people like uh, most of you are familiar with like Midtown Baptist Temple. Well, some people would say, well, that's Sam Miles Church. Because Sam Miles is the pastor. And people at Midtown, they might say, well, this is Brian's church. Well, no, it's Christ's church, but it's Brian's church, right? I mean, Brian's our pastor. And so I think the same is true with, like what Brian said, it's Christ's gospel, but he revealed it to Paul, and Paul is preaching and starting to, and so Paul is making it personal. And, uh, you know, you, you might even say, you know, the foundation class, well, that's my ministry. You might, you might say, that's my ministry, but it's really the Lord's ministry, but uh, you're, you're working it. So sometimes pastors are called under shepherds because Christ is the great shepherd. Peter says, you know, when the great shepherd shall appear. And so there's pastors are kind of under shepherds. Uh, does that, does that make sense? I think. Any any other thoughts about that? Uh, he he even, he even called. I gave you a verse there where he calls it my grace in Philippians on your handout. Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have I have you in my heart, insomuch as both in my bonds and in defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. So that's got a pretty wild statement, isn't it? Um, now, uh, when you think about the gospel, and, and uh, where would we find a good definition of the gospel? First uh, Corinthians fifteen one through four. I knew you'd say that. I was hoping you would say that. Look, let's all look at First Corinthians. Kevin, I'll let you read that, brother. Would you go there? Uh, the Bible actually gives us a definition here of the gospel, and there's four or five things we could say about it. But read that for us, Kevin. Uh, 
says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, by which you are also saved, if you keep in memory what I have preached to you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, and that He rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures. Amen. Amen, amen. So he he uh, declared the gospel, and he goes on to say that he delivered first what he had also received, that Christ died for our sins. It was according to the Scripture, and he was buried, and he rose again the third day according to the Scripture. So this death, burial, and resurrection is the gospel, and that's what he received, that's what he preached, and that is, uh, it says, what what that's how you're saved he says so uh, when you present the gospel that is what we present and uh, anyway uh, any 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 thoughts about that when we talk about the gospel and uh, I think even in our d2 and our uh, Bible Institute we we go into like uh, Seven different gospels, and you know, in the tribulation, there's what they call the everlasting gospel, like the 144,000, and even with uh, uh, John the Baptist, he had a you know a gospel of repentance uh, and bringing forth you know good works that are meet for repentance. But anyway, what Kevin shared is the gospel for the age that, that we live in, and that was uh, what Paul is saying. His that is his gospel. And it's our gospel. Okay. Now, what what Larry read there in verse four. So let's go back to Second Corinthians four. And in verse four, it says, "The God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not." And uh, do you know? Uh, you know, before I was saved. Uh, I dated a girl from Fort Madison, Iowa. My dad kind of set me up with this lady. She worked at the dairy farm where my dad delivered hay to. And uh, our very first day, we went to this lake... And you know there was a lady there handing out gospel tracts. Everybody, there was kind of a little fence, and you had to go in through the fence to get to the little beach by the lake. And and uh, I was, I just remember I was so embarrassed that this, you know, I went to church, but I'm on my first date with this girl, and somebody's giving me a gospel track. And uh, you know, at that time, my my eyes, my mind was blinded from the gospel. Is what I'm trying to communicate. Yeah. And uh, you know, I wasn't ready to be saved. I'm dating this girl, and you know I don't have time for this Christianity stuff, right? And so, uh, and I remember when I worked at uh, the apartments when we moved to the city here. I was working where I work at now, but I was also doing some maintenance work at the apartments where we lived, and I was installing mini blinds. So 
I went to this, uh, just knock on the door. I'm here to install mini blinds. And like this lady meets me at the door. Are you born again? I mean, that, that's like her question. Are you born again? And I'm like, wow, you know, I got, I'm just here to install some blinds, lady. You know. Yeah. So, you know, the Lord was, you know, poking at me. Do you know, even the church I went to, we, we went door to door at a church I used to go to before I was saved. I went door to door. And, uh, you know, the guy met us in his driveway. He's like, Oh, you guys are those born again people, aren't you? And that even intimidated me. I'm like, uh, just take this. I'm going to the next house, you know. <laughs> you know, I didn't want to hear about, you know, being saved or born again. And so what I'm saying is my eyes were blinded. And so that's my enemy's tactic here. Uh, Satan blinds people from the truth. And, uh, the battle is for the mind. So that, that was your next blank, is just the word mind. So, anyway, in my own life, at least three or four times, uh, maybe five times, that I was approached with the gospel before. Sure, it was the seven. <laughs> it, may, it may have been. It may have been. That's more the average, isn't it? And, uh,. I put on here this garage sale example, and you'll think this is kind of funny. Uh, we worked with a lady, or my wife was is friends with a lady that uh, is in Raymore, and uh, she she moved up north of the city now. But whenever they were moving, and they had a nice house, nice stuff, and they just wanted to get rid of a bunch of stuff. They're moving; they got to get rid of stuff, and so they had a garage full, and they just. Uh, outside they put free. They, every, no, it, it didn't do it. They had a hard time getting rid of it. So then they put a sign like, you know, everything $5 or something. And then people, so it was like, you know, as we we're presenting, you know, the gospel is free. And you know, the, for, uh, Romans 10.13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And when you hear that, it can't be that easy. It can't be that easy. It can't be just free that everybody that believes and calls on the Lord can be saved. And yet it is, isn't it? <laughs> what were you going to say, Paul or Pat? Um, you know, today's world, if, if something is free and people don't really know about what it is, they uh. think it's worthless. And I think that's a lot of it. Maybe, maybe that is. It, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That this is this a garage full of worthless stuff, so it can't be any good. Yeah. So yeah, that that. Anyway, whenever I heard my wife's friend Linda tell about that, I was like, "Wow, there's a lesson there." That's probably how they came up with the million dollar question. Yeah, yeah, maybe so. Um, that gets your attention to an extent, but then you also have to be able to change. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's another it's another one of those kind of paradox. It's free, but it'll cost you everything. Yeah, <laughs> that 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 is the paradox. <laughs> Larry? Hey, Steve, have you ever heard one person's junk is another man's treasure? Uh huh. Oh, yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. That, that's, that's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah. One man's junk yeah we want our junk 
So let me give you just uh, some facts now about lost people from the verses that Larry read. Uh, the gospel is hid to them, and it. Uh, let's see. What what is the word at the end of verse three, Larry? What what, what yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you know, sometimes we we use the statement, uh, you know, this is an unsaved person. But you know, the Bible doesn't use the word unsaved. That kind of implies that you can lose your salvation. But the Bible uses either you you believe or you're saved or you're lost, right? And so I put I had the word lost down. I've got another little story here. Uh, hopefully it don't take too long. But uh, I used to go hunting for raccoons with a guy up on, uh, on the farm. We used to sell their hides and, uh, <clears throat> in town there. And uh, it, it's funny. It's, it's one of my dad's friends. So he, he's still alive. He's in his 80s as well. But his name is Paul Christian. So... And he's not—he's not a Christian, but his name is Paul Christian. He's real foul mouth, and uh, but anyway, uh, I went hunting with him, and so we were hunting on my dad's land, and my dad had land on both sides of this creek, and uh, Paul's Christian's dog, you know, treed a coon here in this tree right by the creek. And so we shot the coon and he fell out and we, we killed the raccoon and I think we got two or three raccoons and you know, it was one of those nights about like last night where the ground was kind of frozen but it was warm enough it was kind of muddy on top. So we're carrying these coons and our guns and you know it's muddy and so our feet are heavy and uh and and there's no star it's really a dark night and so i think after we killed that coon we came up on a different side of the creek so we were actually walking the wrong way and so we're thinking you know, where's our truck at you know we're and uh, and so uh, so this hopefully this illustrates like a lost person you know rock, walking the wrong way in the darkness and uh, and Paul thinks it's this way, and I think it's that way, and we're we're getting tired. It got to be about midnight, and we're thinking we're going to freeze out here. We're going to die out here. I mean, I was thinking that. I don't know if he was thinking that. I'm just a teenager, and and so finally, uh, Paul Christian, he sees a light on the hill, and he he thinks that's uh, Jim Webb's house, and and he was right. He said, Let, let's go that way, and and so we did. We we went that way, and of course we lived and I'm alive and uh, we found the truck and and we were safe but it, it just kind of reminded me like I was going the wrong way it's in the dark and Paul Christian sees the light and we we go toward it and we're saved we're we're and anyway that that's just not unlike you know lost people but uh, also what Larry read in verse 4 it says that the lost believe not and so the lost are unbelievers and uh, I gave you a verse here uh, that the lost are condemned already. That's what. That's what actually what John three says. I don't know if I spelled that right, but they're condemned already. 
And that's what John 3.18 says right after John 3.16. And it says that the lost are in darkness in verse 6. And so then in verse 5, uh, hey, Alan, do you have your Bible? Do you want to read for us this morning? Do you read 2 Corinthians 4, verse 5? Yeah, chapter 4. Yeah. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves. Thank you. So this word pre, I I, I thought it was kind of neat. You can preach to reach each. It's kind of all, there's kind of three words in one there. And so that's what Paul is saying. He says that we we preach uh, not ourselves, but we preach Jesus, Christ Jesus the Lord, and we're your servants for Christ's sake. And, and so that uh, that is, I put the enemy tactic, the prince of darkness darkens the understanding of men, but the entrance of thy word giveth light, it giveth understanding unto the simple. And then uh, verse 6, uh, Teresa, read that, and we're going to uh, finish our time on verse 6 here. <laughs> For God who commanded the light to shine out of the darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Yeah. So now, when you when you hear God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, what do you think of? Do you think of any other verse in the Bible? John one one. Yeah, in the beginning was the word. Genesis one. There's that. Yeah. So 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 let's all go to Genesis. I want to finish our time here in Genesis chapter one. Yeah, I want you to think about this. Yeah, I'm going to draw something here. Uh, now, uh, if you've got room at the bottom of your handout, you might you might draw this too. Uh, I think this is kind of uh, I think this is a good illustration. So, in Genesis uh, one and verse one. Uh, we're up to Jaime. Would you read one uh, one of Genesis? In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. Yeah, that's it. Uh, I'm gonna. I, I want to. Uh, let me get, let me get there myself. <clears throat> Do you know in the Hebrew there is uh, seven words, uh, seven Hebrew words that make up this first verse? In the beginning, God created, and, and the word created, uh, the word created literally means to make something from nothing. That's what created means. And so God created, He made something from, He made the heaven and the earth, and it, it was in the beginning. And when you think of the beginning, 
uh, I want you to think of the beginning of time. This was the beginning of time, and uh, and that that's what God did. So uh, th- this this was His plan, and I want you to think about you know. Uh, it's in it's in Isaiah that says that he created the earth the earth not in vain he created it to be inhabited and uh, so now now verse two uh, Ara do you, do you want to read verse two there? And the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the dead and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Yeah. Now, uh, it's in First John. The, the Bible says that uh, that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. <clears throat> but but yet the the verse that our read that the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved on the face of the we we would say the surface, but that's what that's what it uh, the word face means like surface the surface of the waters and uh, that's exactly what happened uh, after the flood of Noah remember he spit he sent out the dove and the dove uh, moved on the face of the waters after the flood so a dove is like the spirit so this this similar thing happened after the flood of Noah and it, it happened here that the Spirit of God moved on these uh, face of the waters. <clears throat> now, I'm, draw, I'm drawing some people up here because uh, this, is, this is what happens to people as well. Like, uh, we, we talked about this last two weeks ago with, with Paul. You know, children are innocent, so they're, they're safe. You know, their sin's not imputed to them. So Genesis 1-1 is like that, that God created the heaven and the earth. He made it to be inhabited. He made it perfect. But, uh, at some point, it became dark, and it, that, that word was can, uh, be like became without form and void. And so it doesn't, we don't think that God created it like that. Were you going to say something, Alan? No. Oh, okay. But, uh, but now, now let's, let's read verse 3, uh, Mary. Uh, Genesis 1 3. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And, uh,. So what Mary read is what uh, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4. It says God commanded the light to shine out of the darkness. Uh, and that's, that's what happens uh, when, when we get saved. So the earth was formed and then it, it uh, became dark and then the earth... Uh, had had light, and you know it, it's not until day four that God created the sun and the moon and the stars. So th- this is uh, some people call it like a cosmic light, but uh, I believe this is you know Christ. Christ is the light of the world, and so uh, Christ shined forth on day uh, on on uh, day one here. <clears throat> And uh, I, I, you notice it says, "Let there be light." Uh, 
you know, let is is kind of a uh, a choice, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, so, I'm sure God didn't force Jesus Christ to uh, become uh, this light and shine forth. But it, it it is good, and it divided the light from the darkness. So this this uh, so this person. In fact, let, let's go back to. Second uh, Corinthians now, and see chapter four. <clears throat> I didn't bring this out, but in uh, verse two of Genesis, there, there's thirteen Hebrew words. So there's seven Hebrew words in verse one, and thirteen in verse. Two and uh, representative of, of kind of rebellion. So, but back in uh, whoop, I'm in Psalms. I don't know where I'm at. Second Corinthians. <laughs> Thanks. Second Corinthians four. And look at verse six again. So, God command who command for God who commanded the light to shine. Uh, you know that, that that's what uh, the gospel is. You know the Lord's not willing that any should be should perish, but uh, that that's what we say when we present the gospel. We're we're saying, you know, sir, ma'am, you know, let there be light. Let let Christ come into your life, uh, <clears throat> because you know. There, there's darkness on on the lost. There, there's darkness, uh, and so the spirit of God needs to move on that person. And we're trying to say, let them be light. Let let them uh, be saved. And uh, so this thing that happened in Genesis one is something similar to what happens uh, in in our lives. And it says, it shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And so that, that's what we do when we present the gospel. We're saying, sir, ma'am, let, let the light shine. And it's a choice, but, um, anyways, there, is there any other comments on that? Passage. I like that uh, section of scripture and it's maybe a little bit deep to think about it, but it's, it's uh, another picture of, of salvation they're all through the Bible yeah you know, Testament. yeah it's all prophesied it is isn't it all throughout the Bible and uh, good yeah what are you thinking Larry uh, you know when I was before I did my testimony and everything I sat there and I, and I was thinking about that, you know. And when I was talking about my testimony, it was like I was in a tunnel. Hmm. And I couldn't. And I knew there was a light at the end of the tunnel somewhere. But I didn't know where. Huh. So um, that's what I mean when I said 
I was lost, but when I found the light, yeah, that was where that was where yeah. my salvation was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Light, light brings life. It brings hope. It brings joy. And uh, that was where my new life was. Yeah, life. And it, we get an example every day, don't we? I mean, it was dark last night, and now the light's out, and we. A lot of times, uh, you know, it's kind of red of an evening, and so we, we think of the blood of Christ, and so all, all of it's very good. But, but we'll uh, we'll do the rest of this chapter next week, Lord willing. So feel free to to read ahead. I gave you a teaching point at the end there, the, and this is one of Pastor Brian's favorite verses. Uh, the teaching point, the reason we've been entrusted with the gospel is to minister it to others. And that's this First Thessalonians 2.4 says, But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God which trieth our hearts. And it says... Brian always liked, he felt like God trusted him with the gospel, but then he said, he uses the word we, we were allowed, we were trusted with the, so that's one of Brian's verses, he used to partner with people that are like-minded in other churches, is that we, we have been, and I guess I'll share that, you know, the gospel is mine to share, but it's yours to share, it's we, we are allowed we have been put in trust with the gospel, uh, not to please men, but uh, to please God. And He He tries our heart. Amen. There's an old song, Steve, that I found the light. It really should be the light found me. Ah. <laughs> yeah. I know that song. How, how does well, it go? There's another old song out there like that too that Hank uh, Williams sings about. Oh yeah. Called so I Saw the Light. Well, that's that's the one I'm thinking of maybe. Yeah. Is that the one you're thinking of? Yeah. I think so. I found the light. Darkness. I saw the light. Hank Williams actually did sing it. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Rinkers, good to see you guys. Good. Glad you're back. And uh, Brian, would I would you close us in prayer today? Sure.